Welcome to the Dermatology Interest Group Association podcast, or DIGA podcast, where we talk about everything from how to become a stellar dermatology applicant to interesting topics in dermatology. From research advice to interviewing tips, you will be prepared to follow the path to become a world-class dermatologist. How's it going, everyone? My name is Grace Hobayan, and I'm one of the other hosts of the DIGA podcast. In this episode, I interview Dr. Jessica Kaffenberger. She originally hails from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and completed both medical school and dermatology residency at Penn State University. She's a clinical associate professor of dermatology at THE Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, where she serves as the director of medical student education and dermatology and the program director for the Medical Dermatology Research Fellowship. She runs her own clinic specializing in psoriasis and complex medical dermatology, and she's the director of numerous clinical trials. Without further ado, see you on the skin side. All right, Dr. Kaffenberger, welcome to the DIGA podcast. Super excited to have you on today. First question for you, um, why did you decide to pursue dermatology? So I decided to pursue dermatology after doing research with a dermatologist between first and second year of medical school. And the reason why I chose to do research, honestly, is one of my best friends uh, was very interested in dermatology and wanted for some reason to do dermatology since she was seven or eight years old. And so she wanted a buddy to do dermatology research with. And so with her urging and a project available, that's when I first started really diving into the field of dermatology and really, really enjoyed it. Um, After that, during my rotations on third year, pretty much every time I did a rotation, I wanted to do that specialty. And I drove my friends absolutely crazy because I wanted to be a pediatrician. I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I wanted to be an internist, a GI doctor, pretty much anything you can imagine that you rotated in, I wanted to be in. Um, And then at the end of third year, I did my dermatology rotation and I realized there was nothing even comparable at all to this um, field. And so then that kind of solidified my interest in dermatology. But I do have to thank that first initial interest to one of my very close friends in medical school. Yeah. What what kind of research was it that you did with, with your friend? Yeah. So she actually worked on a different project. I worked with one of the um, attendings that was interested in dermoscopy. So we actually did different vehicles with dermoscopy. The study itself actually never got published. Um, then I worked on submitting a project with Humira and Hidranitis um, with uh, Dr. David Adams was the person I worked with. And he's just the most kind um, energetic, supportive person. And it was just amazing to do research with and really to open my eyes to the field of dermatology. Mm-hmm. So that initial exposure to research in medical school, was that what kind of pushed you to pursue an academic career? Or were there any other factors that led to that decision to do academics versus say like private practice or community practice? Yeah, great question. I think it ends up to be more of a personality thing. So throughout my residency, I thought about what type of, um, what I wanted to do, private practice, academics, do I want to do a fellowship? And I really realized I liked complicated things. And I was afraid that if I ended up doing private practice, a lot of the complicated things or the ability to be able to plug into a network where I'd have to share patients. So for instance, with rheumatology, with GI, with oncology, that sharing of the patients becomes a lot more tricky. And so really that's one of the reasons that you see a lot of the best pathology and the most complicated diagnoses um, at academic centers is because they're going to be managed by many different specialties. And I knew that if I went to private practice, I was going to lose a huge subset of those patients. So that honestly is one of the biggest reasons I decided to go into academics. Um, I like that you could kind of pick what you want to do and you could kind of be the person that other dermatologists refer to. I find 
problems that other people can't figure out really, really fun. And so that was probably one of the biggest reasons I did academics. The other reason is just that I enjoy working with people who are super excited to learn more about dermatology. So with medical students and residents and that passion for learning, it really keeps you active in that passion for learning and that excitement uh, throughout the day. How did you become interested in psoriasis in particular? So that was an example of some being in the right place at the right time. So when we first started at OSU Dermatology as faculty, both my husband and I, there were only five dermatologists. And at that time, shortly after, um, Dr. Bechtel, who's currently our chair of our department, he left for Philadelphia for family reasons to be closer to his daughter and his wife. Um, and then two other senior faculty left, um, both for different other kind of higher leadership positions. And so the Dr. Henry Wong actually left for a chair position in Arkansas. And so he led the psoriasis clinic before, and he led all of the clinical trials. And when he left, we were all trying to cover different things. And so one of the things we didn't want to happen is our clinical trial unit to die off. And so it was kind of like, who wants to do clinical trials? Uh, who wants to do psoriasis clinic? And I was happy to take that on. And so really with that opportunity, just my interest for psoriasis really started to explode, as well as the fun of doing clinical trials and that excitement of being on the cutting edge of the newest medicines and being able to offer to patients who have exhausted all the medications that that are currently approved, these new therapies. And so it's been really fun because we have had a ton of the clinical trials that we have been involved with. The medications that we're studying now are used in everyday dermatology. Um, and I'm able to speak to what that was like to a lot of people for, you know, as the medication comes out, they'll a lot of times look to me of what did you see on the trial? How did you see this working? Or what are your thoughts? And again, being on that cutting edge of medicine is, is fun. Yeah, that's that's awesome how that door kind of opened up. Um, seems almost like a natural progression to what you're doing now. So tell our listeners about what a typical week looks like uh, in your practice. So again, with that academics, the ability to do different things on different days, which I highly encourage anyone who's interested in academics to really think about it and explore it. So on Monday, I have general derm clinic, and that's kind of what you would, same sort of thing that you would have in private practice. I see mostly general derm patients. I have some of the patients from actually complex and psoriasis clinics sprinkled in there more than I would say most general derm clinics just because of location. I have that on one side of the city. We call it Derm West. It's on our west side of the city. Um, on Tuesday, I lead that complex clinic. And so that's for, again, and diagnoses that other people, other dermatologists, namely just can't figure out or that require a lot of kind of specialty to specialty communication. So we see a lot of blistering diseases in that clinic. We see a lot of undiagnosed, what people don't know what they are diseases. We see a lot of room derm in that clinic. Um, this morning we had that clinic and just a lot of patients are, you know, have extreme diseases or extreme presentations. Um, and so again, that, that excitement of being able to help people get the quality of their life back. Cause these are patients who, you know, one of the patients I saw today, he had blisters head to toe. Um, another one I saw has diffuse morphia. Um, so it's just a lot of kind of interesting diagnosis that you're able to really make a huge impact on their life. Tuesday afternoon, I do a lot of clinical trial work. Um, so I lead many different clinical trials. Um, and kind of have a meeting back with our coordinators and our fellow. Um, so a lot of times Tuesday afternoon, that's where I am um, seeing some of those patients. Wednesday, I have psoriasis clinic. Um, in the afternoon, I have a, some of my own general derm clinic again. Thursdays, what you know we call academic time. So I just basically am either in meetings or um, different uh, research projects, closing charts, closing charts, patient messages. So all sorts of all that logistical stuff um, and really try to do most of that 
try to do most of the research time there. Although a lot of this time spills into in the evenings as well. Um, and then Friday have the ability to do just the, the small excisions like most general dermatologists do. So I'm not a most trained um, dermatologist by any means, but all the excisions you do um, for skin cancers or cysts or lipomas, that's all Friday. So it's a nice different um, mix of all sorts of things. Yeah, for sure. It seems like there's never a dull moment in the week. And I know that a lot of medical students here at OSU um, will shadow at the complex uh, dermatology clinic or the psoriasis clinic. What kinds of things about psoriasis and or complex medical dermatology do you wish were more strongly emphasized in the medical school curriculum so that med students who are earlier on in their training, um, say like first, first year, second year, people who haven't had their clinicals yet, what do you wish they would gather from their curriculum before showing up to yeah, the before showing up. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for medical students is just simply exposure. I don't expect them to know what these complex diseases are, nor do I expect them to have any idea of what to manage them with. But I think a couple things are important. One, to realize that a lot of times people think dermatology is as the acne or warts, and that's it. And I think bringing them to complex clinic shows that you have a wide array of diseases in dermatology and a huge impact on many different quality of life. So of course, you have impact on quality of life for acne rosacea, warts. But this is sometimes people want that more intense kind of, they, they feel like they're making a huge impact on just the, the daily quality of life. Um, for patients who have blisters all over, who have oncologic disorders, or have, um, you know, their skin is... Uh, you know, with lupus, multiple different rashes on their face and their ears. And so just to see another aspect of dermatology that I think people aren't aware of, I think that's super important because as sometimes people steer themselves away from dermatology just because they don't think it's so-called exciting enough. One of my close friends in medical school, he's now a um, intensivist in the ICU. And he was like, why would you ever do dermatology? It's boring. And I never want people to get that sense. Um, it's not a boring specialty at all. And so I, one of the reasons I bring medical students into complex clinic is to show them it's anything but boring. I mean, you just see so many amazing different things. If you end up deciding you want to do general derm and mostly you want to do acne, rosacea, warts, and everything else that general derm, skin cancer, screening, melanoma, you're also having a huge impact on people's quality of life. Um, so you can also kind of go down that path. But just to know that the breath is there and that you could kind of pick and choose what you want to do and, again, have that huge impact on people's life. Um, so that's by far the most important thing. I would say the other thing is just to gain exposure to dermatology as a field in general. So I know it's very tricky in most medical schools, and OSU is no different, that it's hard to get face time for dermatology early on. And so at least bringing them to clinic gives them the exposure of another specialty. Um, while a lot of times you don't have time to rotate as an official rotation till the end of third year, beginning of fourth year. So this way you're able to build bonds and um, relationships and start research projects with all the different faculty that are interested in doing so. So that also provides a good segue into that. So it's not really specific knowledge as much as just having exposure and knowing and kind of understanding the breadth of the field. Right. To your point earlier, I personally find it really fascinating how the skin um, like dermatology overlaps with basically any other specialty you can think of. So um, and I want to circle back to your experience with doing clinical research uh, and clinical trials. Um, how do you reduce bias when you work for, say, pharmaceutical companies when you do clinical trials research, if that's something you can speak to? 
Yeah, that's a wonderful question. So I think a couple ways. One, you try to make sure that you get many different sponsors, so many different kind of pharma. Um, so I, I don't want to work with just one of them. So I think if you worked with just one company, you have a much higher chance, honestly, of becoming biased versus if you work with, you know, there's been 10, 12 different companies that I work with as far as the being the sponsor for the trial. Also, I'm, I'm very hesitant and don't do ever Speakos Bureau, meaning that I'm not going to go around and speak for them giving me money telling me about how great that medication is. My purpose is that it is a pharma-funded research study, but there's plenty of times that if a patient's not doing well, I have them come off. You know, I'm not going to keep them on this trial if it's not giving them some sort of benefit. My goal is to provide options for patients that aren't there or that they have no other option. They've exhausted all the other options, um, really just so I can improve patient care. My goal is never to kind of keep people on a trial just to put them on a trial or to just enroll people just to enroll people. Um, I kind of view this as a subset of um, just how any sort of these cancer trials that they're people have exhausted all the different options. They then go on a trial with the newest, latest, greatest medicine. I view it very similarly. Um, and so the only other thing I'll do with pharma because of that is advisory boards, meaning that they basically get dermatologists who are working with a specific subset of disease, so instance, psoriasis, and they want to know our views on what we consider important when we are managing psoriasis. I'm happy to tell them what's important so that they could then gear their medications to be able to target that as they're trying to develop new medications. Um, I don't want to just be a you know, someone who's spouting off things of why such and such medication is great. I want to be able to use that medicine to see for myself what I think of it. And then also to be able to kind of push that as far as, you know, the, like I said, the only other thing advisory boards to help them gear their medications towards what's best for the patients. Right. Makes, makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure a lot of medical students might want to do um, clinical trials research either during their time in med school or even after they get into residency. Do you have any uh, advice for medical students or residents who are actively looking for research opportunities uh, or even just advice in general, just for people who are trying to apply into uh, a particular like residency or fellowship program? For dermatology, you mean yeah. advice for yeah. specific during the application? So I think the biggest thing is to be yourself. Um, we read a lot of these applications. And so when I read a lot of these applications, you could tell when people are volunteering just to so-called check the box of volunteering. So sometimes people volunteer, they have listed on there, they're very passionate about volunteering and they have four different volunteer things each for a day. And that's it, which is fine if you have a different aspect of something. You're super passionate about research and that you did all sorts of research, or you're super passionate about an underserved part of the community or super passionate about a certain organization. That is completely fine. I, whatever your interest is, really follow it and become a leader in that area. So we have interviewed people in the past that have, again, started their own organization. Um, we've had people who have started their own like nonprofit. I don't know how people have all this time, but medical students are absolutely phenomenal with all of these different ideas. Um, people who are very passionate about research, people who are very passionate about volunteering. And I think sometimes there's this rush to do everything and it's overwhelming. Um, and I, my hat goes off to all of you because you want to make sure that you have 10 different research projects, plus you volunteer in 10 different organizations, plus you do, you know, 25 different activities and you have to be the president of this and the vice president of that. 
And I would say do what you're interested in and try to have a variety of different things. You want to have, I would say, four to five, you know, research things submitted. They don't have to be, you know, in nature science, but at least to have things submitted to show you have an interest in dermatology and then other activities that really support that interest. So again, it does not have to only be research. It could be something else. And then make sure to touch on that in the personal statement because it always amazes me when I review, and that's what we're doing right now is reviewing applications, what medical students have done um, and just the excitement they have towards whatever it is. Um, and that really, really shines through when there's a passion for it um, versus people you get, you could kind of see through when they're trying to just check the box of it. And then just also along the lines of residency applications, how, um, how did you choose locations for residency um, and eventually where you practice as an attending? Sure. So yeah, for me, I went to medical school at Penn State when the College of Medicine there, which is in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I'm from Pittsburgh initially, so it was my state school for um, for medicine. And so honestly, I chose Penn State, um, to be totally honest, for financial reasons, because it was cheaper as a state school. Um, I decided I wanted to do medicine actually my fourth year of college. I My dad is a radiologist, retired now, but I had told him when I went to college, I wanted to do anything but medicine. That was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, and then that junior year, I was randomly assigned. We had a winter term. And I did get to shadow a dermatologist at that point. Um, it was a really short period of time. But at that period, it wasn't that I was set on dermatology. It was more like, actually, that was kind of cool. Maybe I should do medicine. Um, and took the MCATs my senior year of college and applied then for medical school and took a gap year working at the National Institutes of Health um, down in D.C. And so during that time, I applied to places in Pennsylvania, but kind of more regional around Pittsburgh, um, to, to do medical school. And when I got into Penn State, it was definitely the financially the best choice. Um, so went there and they have an absolutely phenomenal dermatology program. Again, supportive, encouraging. Their mentorship is just phenomenal. And so I really wanted to stay there. And so it was a very easy, where did I want to go for residency? I, I definitely wanted to stay there and I was very, very fortunate to be able to do so. Um, and then during residency, like the reasons we talked about, I decided to do academic medicine. My husband completed his residency at Ohio State. Um, he's from Dayton. And so me being from Pittsburgh, him being from Dayton, actually kind of in the middle is Columbus, Ohio. And so we decided that's where we wanted to be just so we could have both sets of grandparents for, you know, as we were starting our family and we now have four kids. So they're very, very helpful. But that is how we picked, ended up picking Ohio State and why I ended up choosing Penn State for residency. In both areas, I've been very blessed with a lot of wonderful mentors in each place. Okay. And uh, I know you were plugging Penn State, which I appreciate. Would you also be able to plug Ohio State dermatology as well? Oh, of course. And that's what I mean. At Ohio State, absolutely. I mean, we, that... Dr. Bechtel, who is the chair now, um, I knew him from when uh, my husband was actually a resident. So met him my first year of residency, first year of Durham residency. Um, and he was nothing but incredibly supportive. And so anytime I would come visit, at that time, my boyfriend, but now my husband, um, he would, you know, we had gone out to dinner with him, just a super strong mentor. And then any, whenever we decided to join OSU, um, he very much wanted to know what I wanted to do. And he made that happen. And so he actually had a complex clinic himself before. And he was like, you know, this is a strong interest of yours. I have other, you know, responsibilities for leading the, being the chair. Why don't you go ahead and take that over? And then when, you know, he left, there was definitely a void for a bit while Dr. Alicia Plotner, who did an amazing job also stepping up to, to be that interim chair and just, again, that mentorship there. Um, so they have been incredibly supportive and also just very cognizant of what your goals and your needs are um, and being able to build them 
And so I am, I feel very, very lucky to be in both places. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, my last question for you here is, uh, what would you say to your past self now that you're an attending dermatologist? Past self in college or past self in residency? Either or both is fine. Um, so I think the, I, I think the hardest thing is when you're applying, you have this feeling that you're never going to be a dermatologist, um, just because it's competitive, it's hard to get into. I would say if possible to stress less about that, um, knowing that whatever you ended up or wherever you ended up, because there was at that time, again, very specific places I wanted to be both for medic for residency and then as, as far as attending. And so that sometimes adds even extra stress on it whenever you know where you eventually want to be for an attending as well as where you want to be for residency, that hope that not only do you become a dermatologist, but specifically at that place. Um, and I think sometimes that would be one of the things I would tell myself is stress less, easier said than done when you're down the road from it. Um, and also enjoy the ride because in residency, as well as, you know, as an attending, you you get to meet really brilliant people who are very, very supportive. And I think that time in residency, as well as, as now I feel incredibly fortunate because I have very, very supportive colleagues, is that you build a very close friendship. And it's a time that you get to kind of grow as far as learning dermatology, um, as well as forming, you know, close bonds. So I would definitely say just continue, you know, enjoy the ride whenever you guys are in residency. All right. Dr. Kaffenberger, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, very busy schedule to chat with us today. And thank you all very much for inviting me. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions people have, you know, about the process. Um, and best of luck to all of you who are applying. I definitely can appreciate how stressful that is. And uh, working with medical students, I see that we're trying to decrease that stress in some way, shape, or form. Um, and even at the Association of Professor of Dermatology, we always brainstorm ways to try to make it less stressful. Um, that of course is an imperfect process. So hang in there and and very and best of luck. Appreciate it. Thank you again. Yeah, take care. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Diga podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Please send us any questions or comments to dermintrustpod at gmail.com. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 